Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your guest host, Chris Stevens, joining you for a midweek special insight into the physical preparations of Formula One. So I hope you're ready to work up a sweat because by the end of this episode, you'll be able to put your non-F1 friends in their place when they say that F1 isn't a sport and drivers aren't athletes. My guest today is a human performance coach from Elevate Motorsport, who currently works with Nico Hulkenberg at Haas. And his name is Martin Paul. Martin, thanks for coming and having a chat with us. Hi, Chris. Nice to be here. Yeah, so um, tell us, first of all, just a little bit about what you do and who you've been working with. Yeah, so, well, it's a long story, but I'll try and uh, try and keep it brief. But I've been uh, working motorsport for over 20 years now. I started in 2002. Uh, I started working in karting like a driver would and uh, learning about karting and fitness and nutrition um in that sport and then started to understand how karting drivers move through the single seater ladder all the way up to f1 um so i also made that journey myself uh working with lots of drivers uh along the way um and for the past seven or eight years i've been working in f1 going to every f1 race uh with different drivers but uh mostly lance stroll and uh, nico holkenberg yeah, so you're currently working uh, with uh, Nico Hulkenberg and uh, you've done a lot of work with the Aston Martin F1 uh, team as well. And, uh, you know, Elevate Motorsport that does uh, a lot of work across all sorts of junior um, series. So I'd love to kind of pick your brain about how F1 drivers uh, prep for the physical challenge of Formula One. We hear a lot about them needing to be low, you know, weight, but also uh, very strong as well to handle all the g-forces particularly around the neck uh, so how do you how do you go about balancing being as light as possible while still being physically strong enough to handle a formula one car 
Yeah, with difficulty. It's um, <laughs> it's a really interesting sport to work in. Uh, just looking at all of these drivers as a, as a group to start with, they're all very different. As you see on TV, when you look at the drivers all lined up, they come in all different shapes and sizes. So each each driver on the grid is preparing in quite a different way to, to the next driver. Uh, in certain sports, I think you see football, tennis, for example, I think you see a more specific physical type that, that works in certainly in different positions in football, things like this. In motor racing, because it's largely skill-based, we have drivers of all different shapes and sizes. So uh, with Nico in particular, uh, he's you know almost as tall as me. He's 185, uh, so he's very tall for a driver. Um, so yeah, we have the challenge of maintaining his body weight at quite a, quite a low competitive weight because that really helps with the balance of the car and and everything else that they're trying to achieve on on that side of things. Um, so yeah, it's not as bad as it used to be in previous years, but we do need to keep a really low uh, body mass throughout the season uh, and certainly over the race weekend itself. It's very important that we keep that consistent. So we have to work really hard. We have to work hard on his nutrition. We have to work hard on his aerobic fitness because these things really help to keep that uh, low body mass. Uh, but we have also have to do a lot of strength and conditioning and racing specific exercises so that when he gets in the car, he has enough power, he has enough strength endurance to maintain long race durations. And we saw the ultimate test that I've ever seen anyway in Qatar uh, last season uh, which was a mega challenge for the drivers. I was loving it because it was really interesting to see how how all of our competitors and my fellow performance coaches up and down the grid, how we were all running around trying to trying to look after our guys and, and keep everyone, uh, first and foremost, safe in the car, but also you know getting to the end of the race and still performing really well in those closing laps. Um, there's lots of different racetracks that we go to, lots of different conditions, so a huge amount of variables. But the, the whole the whole package, the whole job is really, really fun, really interesting. It's always a challenge. Um, yeah, and I'm very lucky to be there. I want to um, ask you about Qatar, actually, because yeah, sure. obviously it was headlines, drivers passing out on the straight, being massively dehydrated. So how did you and Nico combat that specific challenge last year? Um, there's only so much you can do at the track. Um, you know, you're in that situation. We weren't at the beginning of the weekend. We knew we were going to the Middle East. We knew this was going to be a difficult race, but we didn't understand the situation with the tyres that we ended up having at the race where they were really able to push hard on those tyres. So it made the race a lot more physical. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good challenge. So we did a lot of stuff before he got in the car, ice baths, things like this. We did a lot of that afterwards as well to help his recovery. But a lot of that work had already been done. So a lot of his fitness work, these are all the things that you lean on during the race. You can't really shortcut that. So whenever you see a driver like Liam Lawson, for example, who stepped into the car, I don't know if it was, if it was that race or the race before that he that he came in, but it's a big challenge to ask these guys to just jump into these modern day F1 cars, deal with everything that's going on from a kind of psychological perspective and uh, dealing with all the inputs that are coming to them. Um, but also the physicality of these cars is huge. So Qatar was, um, was yeah, a real test, but we just had to try and lower body temperature as much as possible when he wasn't in the car. Um, every time he came into the garage during the sessions, you know, I was right on hand to give him uh, as much ice and as much cooling as possible because actually when you when you lose the, the airflow or what little airflow that he gets, you know, in Qatar, 
um, from being out on the track, when you come into the garage, then suddenly everything gets very hot inside the cockpit. So actually, when we spend 10 or 15 minutes and he stays in the car while he's talking to his engineer, while they're making changes to the car, that's actually a time where he gets really, really overheated. So I work quite hard to try and keep him cool in the car, keep his fluids topped up, um, and then, yeah, getting back out on track as quickly as possible. So let's talk about that preparation you do uh, between races. I'm sure during the off season as well, that's a big time for a big physical uh, push. Uh, what are the the training methods? What are the exercises that you guys are doing to keep that weight as low as possible, but also maintain that that sort of muscle mass that is needed? Uh, because you know we, we hear, hear we hear a lot about the tall drivers struggling. There was the minimum weight for drivers that was introduced in 2019, 80 kilograms which is probably still not <laughs> like perfect for drivers like like nico or like esteban ocon uh for example uh and and we keep hearing about teams struggling with the weight of these modern day ground effect cars uh as well so uh, are you still having to try and go even lighter than that that 80 kilo minimum weight well the 80 kilo minimum weight is actually the driver fully suited with helmet gloves and everything and the seat as well Okay, so it's so so you take all of that off. You're looking for the driver. So so to hit that 80 kilo target with everything, you're looking for the driver to be a maximum of 74, 75 kilos. So then that does put it into some perspective when you have a driver that's over six foot tall. That's a really lean, light body mass to be able to maintain. Even for slimmer drivers like Esteban, like George, uh, Nico's a little bit more stacked than those guys. Um, so yeah, it's a big challenge, um, and it was interesting. Nico made his comeback to Haas uh, last season, so the pre-season before last season, uh, if that makes sense, that was a real challenge because he had put on a little bit of weight during his time away from the sport, as is natural, and, it, and natural is the exact word. He actually kind of went back up to a natural athletic body mass for for a guy of his size. So I do I do just want to say that uh, that he wasn't overweight in a bad way. Uh, but he was, let's say, a normal weight. So we had about five kilos to lose before the start of last season. So that was a really interesting challenge for all of us because we needed to get him back to being race fit after some time out of the cockpit, and we needed to get that body mass down. So, yeah, we worked really hard on his diet. He's a super disciplined guy. So, for example, right now when I'm talking to you, we're in uh, week five of the year, so this is still pre-season training, uh, but I'm not with him this week, so he's he's at home home alone. And he's still working hard. We're talking every day, but he's he's still very disciplined. So I'm quite lucky in that sense that he's uh, he's naturally wants to stay in good shape. Uh, he's interested in nutrition. He's interested in his body and improving himself. So he's a good person to work with. But yeah, the the training program this year is still weight maintenance. We still need to lose a little bit from from December and from Christmas because we had a long season last year. And he obviously has put on a couple of kilos, but we're getting rid of that quite quite straightforward um, now in this preseason. Uh, and our emphasis now is on improving his fitness even more than what we had last year and the years prior to that. So we've set some athletic targets. He really likes running, so we've set some good running goals for him to achieve. Uh, we're well on our way to doing that, but we also need to do our strength work. He needs a lot of power in his legs, as you mentioned. He needs a lot of core strength. And that comes, you know, the, the, your core muscles, they're quite heavy. They're quite dense muscle tissue. So it's all well and good to say, yeah, develop a strong core, develop good abdominal muscles. But for us, that also comes with the um, the burden of quite a lot of extra body weight. 
So we do need that strength, but again, we need to keep a close eye to make sure we're not putting on too much weight. The same with his glutes, you know, his his backside, which is the real powerhouse when he's stamping on the brakes, uh, when he's modulating the pedals, uh, and also dealing with the the lateral Gs as well. Um, so we don't want to overwork those muscles, but they need a good level of, of endurance. Uh, and yeah, and then working up to his neck, um, we all know how we all know about the G forces in Formula One, up to five Gs on some turns. Um, but the one thing I try and tell people who who ask that question, yes, we understand that there's lateral Gs, there's braking Gs, but what you don't see from outside the car is how violent it is and how your the vibrations and how he's getting thrown around and how jerky all of these movements are. It's not as nice smooth five Gs being applied to the side of your head, a bit like I do with him when we're training in the gym. It's violent, it's it's fast, they're impulses. So we try and replicate some of that in the gym. But to be honest, until we get to Bahrain and pre-season testing, that's really when we can start to, to put the finishing touches to um, to his race fitness because there's nothing like being in the car. So what are some things you can do to, to prep for that? I mean, we've seen in some videos uh, from, from teams where they talk about their fitness, they'll get on those weighted steering wheels, uh, for example, and, and they'll be cranking them as hard as they yeah. possibly can uh or they put on the the, the headbands to train the neck uh, as well is that what you're doing with nick or what other things are you doing with them yeah we're doing variations of those things you know he, uh, he and i have worked together for a long time uh we've both tried and tested lots of different methods some work better than others uh but we always see new things you know especially with social media you, you yeah, he comes to me sometimes. I oh, look at what this driver's doing. What do you think? Uh, you know, we we discuss it, or we try it, or we don't. Uh, but we've got some pretty good uh, tried and tested methods that work for him. And I have to rely a lot on the feedback that he gives me because I can guide him on general areas of fitness. But what he feels in the car, only he knows that. And again, I have to stress that what he feels in the car is quite different to what another driver would feel in the car. Nico, for example, why me saying that he's got like quite a long neck, so he's got quite a long lever here. So we feel like he he gets the impact of those G forces a lot more than perhaps a driver who's a bit stockier up in the shoulders and, and doesn't quite have the same the same lever. So we do a lot of manual work to to um, to work his neck in particular because he can really guide me with my hands and make sure that I'm applying pressure in the right ways to what he feels in the car. So for us, that's the gold standard of neck training is to, is for us to do it together rather than using bands or machines or weighted things that are very one dimensional. Um, I can I can apply vibrations. I can quickly change angles that I'm applying pressure with him, um, and we do that as part of our warm up before he gets in the car in the back of the garage as well. Uh, so it's really funny when we have some guests coming into the garage and. Uh, that they, they catch a glance of us, you know, behind the scenes somewhere and they're thinking, what's this guy doing to his head? I'm like twisting his head like this. It must look like shaking, you're, yeah, yeah. you're trying to break his neck almost. Yeah, I mean, it's a workout for me, to be honest. His uh, his neck, only, you know, I don't like to advertise it, but his neck is as strong as my arms because by the time we finish one of these neck workouts, yeah, he's pretty tired and his neck's all pumped up and everything. And my arms are completely shredded. So, uh, yeah, it's a good workout for us both. It's fascinating you mentioned the fact that he, because he's got a longer neck, he feels the G-forces a bit more, which makes sense when you think about it, because that's kind of, you know, leverage and kind of basic yeah. physics. Uh, but it's just not something you ever would have 
thought about uh, until but this is the level of depth it. we're now we're now looking into. So that could also relate to his seating position. So obviously he has a, a legal seating position in the car, but because he's tall and he's really stuffed into these small cockpits, you know, perhaps his head is also a little bit higher than some other drivers that that, that we see and, and I try and notice. You know, when they come driving past our garage, so. Um, yeah, I think you know the, the the further up you are, then perhaps the more the more that lever is not helping you to to deal with with the G force. So when you're at the track, uh, obviously you mentioned all the most of the hard work has been done. It's just putting those finishing touches on his his preparation. So what does that look like uh, in terms of the the build up to the race? You know, we've seen Pierre Gasly and his trainer doing the uh, the reaction time hand-eye coordination with the dropping the tennis balls that he yeah, catches yeah. uh we've obviously had quite a bit of insight into uh lewis hamilton's previous relationship with angela cullen uh as well so what does your relationship with nico look like at the track yeah it's interesting when you watch on tv and you see all the different drivers doing their different warm-up routines and i've often looked up and down the grid and, and yeah seen these for myself and i think generally all drivers are trying to achieve the same thing they're trying to get into the car feeling feeling relaxed feeling comfortable with the right mindset uh feeling physically ready and that and there's such a range of different warm-up techniques that you can use so for some drivers it's more massage based it's more relaxing muscles other drivers need to be a bit more pumped up and they like to do more reaction work i'd say without giving too much away i'd say we do do a, a real range of different things um starting in our driver room in the back of the garage before he gets in the car then a bit more um on the grid uh we have quite a long period of time now uh on the grid uh i think this was, i think this was originally designed so that perhaps there'd be more availability for the drivers to do interviews and other things before the race starts and actually it's such a large period of time now everyone always all comes off the grid unfortunately and all the drivers want to conserve as much energy as possible so they come back and sit in their garage or back back in the room um so that gives us an opportunity for part two of our of our warm up, if you like, um, but yeah, it's just keeping him relaxed, uh, making sure he's in the right mindset. There's a bit of a difference between the way we approach qualifying to the race, um, the race because it's such a long period of time. I think you need to be a little bit more relaxed before you start the race, a little bit more chilled. I know there's the race start, the launch to deal with, but you can't you can't approach the race with the same intensity that you approach qualifying, for example, which is all about just one lap pace, banging them out. Um, so yeah, we've we've discussed that, worked on different techniques over the years, and we found found our happy place. But yeah, I see all the different drivers doing things, and there's sometimes I see them doing things I disagree with. You know, I remember the first time I saw Valtteri drinking an espresso before qualifying, and it blew my mind. And I was thinking, how can this how can this guy have all this caffeine before qualifying? What if he gets the jitters? What if he gets the shakes? I, you know this this can't be good. And as I've got more experience, I've realised, you know what? I don't know the process that's led up to that point. And there could be a lot of discussions, a lot of trial and error. And actually, this works really well for him. So, you know, and, and obviously, we, we, we now understand a bit more about these things. That if he has a good level of tolerance to caffeine, it's probably not going to give him the jitters. It's just part of his routine. It's something he likes to do. Maybe it just makes him feel good. Um, so I've learned not to judge too much what my, what my peers are doing up and down the grid. There's usually a good reason why they're doing something that looks a little bit out of the out of the box first time i saw them play with their tennis balls on the grid i thought yeah not sure if that's good or not uh but we do our own reaction uh, activation work that other people might look at and think how does that work um so yeah it's uh it's a, it's a wide range these guys are human beings 
they're about to do something dangerous. They're about to do something that none of us can can do uh, with huge reaction times, a huge amount of pressure. Um, so yeah, we ha- each driver I think really has to de- develop their own their own routine that gets them into into the sweet spot before the race. And on the grid, I mean, it must be just absolute demand for the driver's attention from all corners of the team because you want to prep him physically and, and mentally for the race. The strategist will want to go over the details of the race with him. An engineer will want to go over the start procedure with him. Um, so how much of a of a struggle is it to actually get that time with him when you need it right before the race? It's okay. It's yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It takes a lot of preparation so that everything is done exactly the right way. It's not a time where you can forget something, uh, whether that's part of the routine to, to, to get him in the car or some of his equipment or something. Um, we've always been blessed with good uh, race engineers to work with. Our current engineer, Gary at Haas, he's a super nice guy. He really understands what it, how important it is for Nico to get in the right frame of mind and to feel ready to get in the car. So Gary knows how much and how little to 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 information to give Nico what's important in that moment as do I so we all just kind of work around each other and it's it's a bit like watching the guys around the car uh everyone knows their job everyone knows what's happening it's so so pre-rehearsed we've done it so many times um that yeah we we manage it uh, somehow but we all work together so I talk to Gary a lot about about Nico and how he's doing and he tells me a, li- a little bit of information about the car and what we're expecting in a in a layman's way that I can understand um, so yeah, we can all work together and, and keep pushing each other. Okay, because they are they are only human, and you know they have emotions that bubble to the surface. Some sometimes, uh, I mean, we were talking about Qatar earlier, and that's where Lance Stroll famously uh, pushed his physio out of the way in the garage after he had a bit of a bad uh, qualifying. Uh, so, I, have you I had a moment with Nico where you know things get a bit heightened, and but but because you know you you have such a long standing and and good relationship you're able to move past any kind of friction i think for everyone standing in the garage or who has stood in the garage you would understand you know what happened with lance and, and his frustrations in that moment fully understandable um yeah and i've had that you know i've had that with every driver i've worked with ups and downs including lance uh, and and yeah with nico but we always, my approach and the, and often the driver's approach is to always have a good sense of humor about things. We've we've also spent so much time with each other. I've done over 150 races just with Nico. Um, so, you know, I consider him, uh, you know, my younger brother sometimes. I think he's, you know, I know a lot about him. I can often see when he's struggling with something or if he's if he's a bit angry about something, whether it's caused by me or whether I'm just in the, in the way at that time. So I think we're, I'm quite good at, uh, managing that and you know sometimes making a joke sometimes giving him some space sometimes pushing him a little bit um yeah so it's just getting to know the person that is part of our job uh i wouldn't say we're all experts in sports psychology specifically but we do know the the, the the driver that we're working with and i see a lot of the other coaches up and down the grid also doing a fantastic job to help keep their guy um or girl very focused very very just on the balance you know we're there the way I describe it, we're there to provide a platform, you know, in terms of nutrition, in terms of physical preparations, in terms of their mental health. We're there to provide a very stable environment, whether we're one side of the globe or the other. We just want to have this familiar, stable foundation for them to to, to do what they do. 
you know what he does on the track uh i think it's amazing you know some of the some of the stuff he's done in qualities and the stuff he's done in the races you know it blows your mind when you see how how great he is and what he does so my job is really to to just deal with all the small variables that can that can sometimes upset the apple cart a little bit and just keep everything nice and stable for him and give him the platform he needs to to do what he does hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm sure that's going to be important for Nico this year, especially with Haas as a team, not in turmoil, but obviously they've been the focus of uh, some headlines during the offseason with Gunther Steiner uh, departing. So I imagine those kind of things just create a little bit of uncertainty for a driver. And it's just, it's just the kind of thing that they wouldn't want to have to deal with in addition to everything else. Yeah. But they're trained to compartmentalize anything external that's happening. So when we get to Friday morning, when we, when we do the first FP session, you know, whatever's been happening uh, inside and outside the team, good and bad, uh, it all goes to the wayside and we're really just focusing on on, on what's happening. Each session that you have, whether you're uh, with Haas, whether you're with Red Bull, you know, each session has its own um, characteristics. We have our certain goals that we want to achieve in that session. Um, I know how to prepare my guy for, for each se- each session. And if there is some external noise around, you know, we can, we're also quite good at managing that as well but we've we've got our own goals this 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 season you know uh we always we always have goals whether it's for a session or for a race weekend or for for the entire season um we've got a lot to motivate us um it's a fantastic sport to work in uh he he wanted to come back into this sport after a couple of years away uh he's really happy with that decision it's um last year was loads of fun uh this year will be will be big fun as well you know, he's driving around in a Formula One car. It's 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 great, and he loves it. So uh, yeah, it's it's good for all of us to be there. And you know, yeah, highs and lows happen. Uh, whichever team you're in, and, and we'll deal with ours. You know, just the same as everyone else. 
Oh, um, we've talked a lot about the physical and the mental side of things. Um, let's touch on diet. What is the diet of an F1 driver? Yeah, you're going to hate my answer because it's, it's oh, the same on. as the other ones. It's, 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 it, it depends on the individual. You know, there is no set F1 diet. It depends what your what your goals are. Um, some drivers are trying to put on some muscle mass. They have that. They have that issue to deal with. Some drivers are trying to continue to maintain and improve their strength, but keep keep body mass really low, a bit like us. Um, so it's largely protein based. It's um, very clean, uh, very consistent. I'm a big believer, especially when we're at the track, that we have we have our pool of different meals. Um, that, that we have at the track and actually last season i think we we're a little bit guilty of you know just rotating only two or three different options uh because we're we're, we're we don't want to try new things at the track because it could be nutritionally pretty sound it could taste really good but then it could you know make you feel a bit uncomfortable an hour later when you're then strapped very tightly into an f1 car and suddenly you don't feel so good anymore um so yeah we we've we've tested a lot a lot of things out um, pre-season we did a little bit of work uh, we worked with, a, with uh, a chef friend of ours and came out with a few different ideas just to keep it fresh uh, but yeah lots of protein lots of uh, lots of veggies lots of uh, fluids hydration good timings of meals consistency looking at portion sizes but we also don't go too crazy you know we're not measuring things out we're not making um, eating and drinking a chore because at the track, you know, you do need to have a little break away from the pressure of racing and there's not much we can do. So sitting down and having something nice to eat is is a nice thing to do, is something you look forward to. So it always has to be healthy and clean, but it can still be can still be tasty, it can still be nice. So everything in moderation, occasional occasional treats, occasional nice things, uh, especially, you know, after a race weekend, that's really important, I think, to have a have a bit of a reset and to start the process for the next race, whether that's the following weekend or, or if we have a break, it's nice to have a, have a bit of a treat nutritionally. So food's really powerful. It, it fuels us, but it also has, has a big impact on, on how we feel emotionally as well. Cause uh, I, I've been going on a bit of a, a health kick in, in recent months. And I find when I'm at the track, uh, it, it, it does become harder to try and maintain the rules that you've set for yourself because you're very restricted suddenly on your schedule and also what food is available to you, right? It's usually what comes out of the catering uh, truck, which are usually like pre-prepped, quite starchy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, lo- yeah, not not like a, an ideal uh, scenario. So are you bringing like your own meals to the track, basically? Uh, I'd like to say yes and take all the credit, <laughs> but uh, no. Uh, and, I, and I've been, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I know, I know, racetracks can be like. Uh, sometimes it is a challenge to find healthy food at a racetrack. Um, I think in the F1 paddock, uh, we're we're again very lucky that we're really well looked after. What helps me from a nutritional point of view is we have this set structure every every weekend. So from his media duties to on track uh, sessions everything's you know on the schedule it very rarely changes race to race it's quite a similar format so we know when we eat you know lunch is always uh right before the driver parade for example on a sunday so it's it's quite easy to structure and then i have an awful lot of support from from the catering uh team at Haas, uh, and i have done in previous um teams i've worked with as well 
they're fantastic because they will always um, allow us to have some flexibility with the driver's nutrition. Um, they're really interested in what he's, you know, what his uh, requirements are. So they're only too too, too happy to help. Uh, Hass, we also have a really good team nutritionist as well. So he looks after all of the mechanics, uh, all the engineers, everyone in the team. So we're all benefiting from a, a good level of of nutrition advice and the, the food that's created out of the kitchen is always fantastic quality. So no, we're really spoiled in that sense, I have to be honest. Um, but it's a long season for everyone. It's a super long season for the mechanics uh, and and the, t- the the team. We we get to come in a little bit later and leave a bit earlier. They're there much longer. So fueling themselves correctly to get through their long days, to get through weeks away from home, um, having good food, it's, it's really, really important. And uh, the team take it quite seriously and, uh, and make sure that that's something that supports everyone in the team rather than is is a problem that we have to work around it's definitely definitely one of the strengths yeah i'm I'm sure f1 looks after uh it's people more than uh than just say having to go to the msv cafe at brands hatch for example i'm sure um, the msv but... cafe at brands hatch is all good mate it is lovely it's <laughs> maybe wonderful you can't find but a it's... poker bowl or something like that <laughs> yeah really exactly <laughs> Yeah. It's not ramen noodles or anything uh, quite right, as fancy sure. as that. Um, sure. But that that brings me on quite nicely, actually, to the work uh, that you do outside of just working with drivers. You guys work with uh, teams as well. You used to work with Aston Martin. Uh, you guys currently work with uh, Envision uh, Racing as well in Formula E. Uh, so tell us, uh, what does that uh, entail uh, just outside of you know having to lift uh, big heavy wheels in, in, in pit stops now? Well, I touched on it uh, just now. So, yeah, there, there's a large with with all these teams. There's a large group of people traveling the world, uh, dedicating a lot of their time um, to the sport, doing a lot of traveling, uh, a lot of hotel life. Um, so, yeah, they you need to you need to have a good level of fitness. Um, you need to have good access to nutrition, like I just said. You need to look after yourself if you're going to survive this journey year after year. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to work with, uh, it was Racing Point back then. I remember in 2020 when we, when we all came back from, from the break from COVID, um, that was a fat, you know, a really interesting working year for me because we obviously had all those challenges of, of, of trying to get racing again, uh, adhering to all the rules and regulations from, from COVID. Uh, but it was really great to help support, um, the team there in, in all aspects of, you know, dealing from dealing with their injuries to, helping with their nutrition and and personal problems as well and stuff away from the track. You know, all these things that are very hard to deal with when you spend half half the year away. Um, so there's that whole side of it. There's the performance side with the pit crew. Um, so yes, training the pit crew, looking at the choreography of the pit stops, trying to improve uh, what they're doing. Again, has has have someone uh, in place to do this. Uh, and their sole job is to, to try and make sure everyone is performing as, as well as they can. Um yeah, and health, health, well-being, performance, you know, at the track, kind of everything really, this holistic uh, approach to not just looking after the drivers and the top management of a team, but really understanding how important everybody is in the team and, and how everybody, you know, needs that level of support if they're going to cope with the, you know, these ever-increasing demands that we see in F1 in terms of more races, uh, longer race weekends, etc. Um, they, I don't know when, maybe a, a couple of years ago, they brought in, changes to the curfew so how late the 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 teams could work at the track and that's a great idea and it definitely came from a good place trying to stop people from from working too hard 
But one of the challenges that the guys tell me in the garage is that actually means they have to really rush some of their work sometimes. And they actually could do with staying a bit later because it's actually quite hard to get everything done. So then they find, okay, they have more time away from the track, but while they're at the track, sometimes it's a little bit too chaotic. The work schedule is a little bit too much and they're actually working very, very hard, uh, sometimes too much and under too much pressure at the track because of that. So ultimately this is such a a high performance sport. Everyone is always going to get pushed to their limits. That's what we all sign up for. Uh, But yeah, it's tough and, and the more we can help help everyone in the team that the better the team will ultimately perform over the course of a season you've been doing this for 20 years working in this uh, specific industry what is the biggest difference in your job when you started compared to now is it that mental preparation that we've made a lot of advances in or is it something else yeah i think i think in terms of physical training everything that's that's happened that started to happen in Formula One in let's say the Schumacher era when you know we we saw him and Senna starting to take fitness quite seriously. When I started in two thousand and two, that hadn't quite filtered down to to the to the more junior ranks of motorsport. So so my first job was working with six drivers from Ricky Flynn Motorsport uh, in karting, uh, and it was a great job. And this was our first introduction to um, to motorsport in general. And it was like, wow, this is this is crazy. And you know, these these kids are driving around so fast around go-kart tracks, it really blew my mind. But the the remit from the team was that they had some really talented drivers. I remember one of the first batch of drivers I worked with, one of the drivers was Sam Bird. Um, so I worked with him when he was twelve or thirteen or something. And they were super talented, but they didn't have the strength endurance to to hold on to these carts um past lunchtime. So they were really good in the morning sessions, but then after lunch, all these kids, they were all getting tired, they were all getting physically fatigued. And we had to come up with really innovative new ways to develop their strength, which is quite a hard thing to do when you're when you're dealing with junior athletes, because back then anyway, we weren't doing so much resistance training, lifting weights, that type of thing with with um drivers of that age, or sorry, or athletes of that age. So I don't know what was happening elsewhere, but for me and Dan, my business partner, we were coming up with new ways to try and train these young drivers so that they could be fit enough for the sport. Otherwise, it could be quite dangerous if you're if you're you know racing carts and it's really fast and you're no longer in full control. This isn't a good a good scenario. Um, so I think what's changed is now a lot more of what we do in F1 and the way that we prepare and good nutrition. It's all filtered down now, so. Now you'll see a lot of go-kart teams really well prepared. They're not just doing the burgers and chips thing at lunchtime. They're trying to make an effort to have, you know, good carbs available for, for these youngsters and trying to encourage them to drink more water, etc. Um, yeah, so I think the standard across all of these junior platforms has all really increased. So that's great because it means that we have to keep thinking about new and innovative ways to try and have an edge over our competitors, whether that's Nico and F1 or whether that's some of the drivers I'm working with in karting or, or any level of uh, single-seater racing, everyone's, everyone kind of knows that you need to be fit, you need to have good nutrition, you need to look after how you're mentally preparing. So we just have to keep trying to raise the bar and find new ways new ways to do that. So that's that's how it's changed, but that's also the the fun challenge of, of what I do. And, you know, some of the panel will really enjoy hearing that because we have, you know, a couple of active carters and uh, some some former uh, carters on, amongst our panel. 
uh, as well and and missed apex puts together uh karting events with with the listeners uh as well so uh if the, some people underestimate the physical challenge even just in rental karting uh which are you know they're not uh you know slow they're still physically uh a, a challenge if you're not used to being in a go-kart you know uh, every weekend and as somebody who's you know i've cracked my rib in a in a in a tony kart chassis uh because i was too big to uh, wear a rib protector this was before i went on the the uh the fitness uh fitness dive uh and uh, so yeah i can attest to the fact that it is it is a challenge um and uh, I, I think is it would it be would it be right in saying that it, it's kind of maybe in a way more demanding in terms of preparation because the weight of the driver is so much more important because it makes up, you know, what, 50% of the total weight, you know, driver and cart. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, over the years, some of the smaller drivers, so I, I remember uh, working with Lando in karting uh, and seeing other drivers like Nick the Freeze, and they were so small. And it was like this is this is an advantage. They're obviously fantastic drivers. I'm not taking anything away from them. But yeah, the weight the weight differential was was um, was very important. And yeah, overweight drivers definitely uh, have an adva- have a disadvantage. Sorry. So yeah, you have to be very careful with with young drivers and physical development. And we certainly don't advocate advocate um, you know weight loss diets and things like that for for young juniors. But it's just about educating them and making progressive changes that they can maintain the healthy, the good life, lifestyle choices. There is still a lot of you know junk food culture out there. I guess that's growing. Um, so so you do have to try and snap that out of it. But I think when you see other other kids in the awning all doing better things, that makes you want to do better practices as well, and not be the only person there who's still having a burger and chips for lunch and a full fat coke. Um, you know, you do want to. Oh well, if they're having a chicken salad or or some some good carbs over there and drinking lots of water. Yeah, maybe that's why they're a few times faster than me. Or you know, this is definitely something I should I should you know consider changing. You know, with my own practice. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's really interesting at that level as well. Okay, uh, we are uh, running out of time, uh, unfortunately. So I have one more question um, for you. Um, I mentioned I've been on a bit of a health kick. A few of the other uh, Miss Apex panelists have been doing so uh, as well. You know, uh, being Jeansy started off at. Uh, a similar weight we're now down to a similar weight again as well uh we've got a nice you know group chat going where we're supporting uh one another so what are two or three key bits of advice or things you know people trying to lose weight or build muscle or just get in better shape should bear in mind i think um consistency is really important Find out what works for you and you're going to be able to consistently stick to. So it's all well and good saying, oh, I'm going to do a, a juice diet or intermittent fasting um, or something else, which have some merit. But if that doesn't work with your your lifestyle, your work, your your movements, then you know, think closely about that. So what you're doing might be quite different from what one of one of your friends is doing, but they could both still work. So there's more than one way to do it, but try and be consistent with it. And in my opinion, just just getting the basics right, staying well hydrated, avoid stacking late in the evenings, avoid stacking uh, unhealthy stacking full stop, get rid of all of the, certainly the sugary drinks, but even the diet drinks, um, try and eat clean. Uh, I wouldn't comment on 
going veggie or vegan, but just try and eat clean, good quality uh, food. I know it's difficult these days with with increasing prices, but still try and make the effort to, to prepare food, to cook at home. Um, don't be afraid of carbohydrates. They're not the enemy. You know, we need those. We need those to, to help fuel us. Um, and yeah, and, and be active. So if you have a sedentary job where you're not getting more than 5,000 steps a day, yes, you need to look outside the box of how you can uh, how you can do that. I was actually speaking to someone at Aston Martin yesterday and they said they've now uh, changed their schedule a bit and they have a dedicated lunch break every day because they used to work through it. And they uh, go outside the building and they walk for an hour to get the steps up. And it's a great way. Yeah, they still do a little bit of work. They make a few voice notes. They they field a couple of messages while they're walking. Uh, but they come back into the office really fresh, ready for work. And they've nailed five or 6,000 steps, been active. Uh, and that's what really makes a difference day after day. It's all well and good having one day where you go to the gym, eat really well, do loads of steps, be really active. And then that's followed by three days of not doing that routine. So So don't bite off more than you can chew, but make it as consistent as possible. Martin, I'm thank sure you so doing much all those for... things, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been uh, I've been trying to maintain the uh, the schedule. It's been a lot easier since I quit my full time job and started freelancing. Uh, it must be said, Martin. Thank you so much for uh, coming and having a chat with us and for offering up uh, your insights into the, the physical preparations and the mental preparations of Formula One drivers and teams. Where can people catch up with uh, you and um, Elevate Motorsport online? Yep, we uh, we're on um, social media. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. So yeah, just just look us up, and we're there. And uh, yeah, happy to help uh, drivers uh, of all levels, all budgets, uh, from karting to F one. We're trying to make it as accessible as possible uh, to everyone. So yeah, we'll be happy to help. Brilliant. Cheers, Martin. All the best for twenty twenty four. Cheers. Thank you. Yeah, all the links for Martin and Elevate Mode Sport will be down in the show notes. So that's all for today. But before we go, I'd uh, just like to ask you to please consider supporting us on Patreon. We are fully supported by our patrons. And for just a couple of dollars a month, you can get an ad-free feed. Patreon.com slash Missed Apex to start unlocking some perks. One of which is early access to things like our iRacing series, which is back once again in 2024. It's back and bigger than ever. We're not just racing one car this season. We're racing three at every round. The FIA F4, the F3, and the Super Formula for even more explosive racing action. So if you're interested in taking part, but you haven't signed up yet, then register your interest to race control at mistapex.net and get on the grid for our first round on the 9th. And be sure to check out Sunday's episode as well. We've got a deep dive into the world of F1 broadcasting before launch season starts. But until then, remember, eat your greens and drink plenty of water. This was Mistake Back Podcast. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.